is your Saturday morning source for everything Huskers. Turn, hand it off to Mitter, hit the backfield and drilled. Again, 13's there to make the tackle. Nebraska wins its fifth national championship. Giving you an inside look at everything going on in Husker Nation, this is the KLIN Husker Hour. Great, great call, and the Huskers are the Big Ten Conference champions. Stunts it, got it, underdog, and then one, exclamation point. Breaks. Now your hosts, KLIN contributor Cole Stukenholz and KLIN reporter Matt McMaster. Good Saturday morning. Welcome to another edition of the KLIN Husker Hour. Less than three weeks away from Husker football. We've got a good show lined up. Uh, we are going to be re- breaking down the whole roster. We finished position previews. We're going to go through the entire roster up and down, which should be should be fun. We'll, we'll kind of revisit some of the thoughts that we had earlier on in the summer, and and maybe have some of the same takes, some of maybe evolved takes. I'm sorry, I'm out of my element right now because th- these headphones are brand new, and whenever like they're brand new, anything, I'm just I'm just knocked sideways. And Gotta just, break them in. Should have slept in them. I didn't even know they existed until two minutes ago when they weren't plugged into whatever <laughs> router. I don't know what do we call them. I'm sure Kenny knows what they what they're called, but whatever. Yeah, headphone jack. I don't know. I, sure. Yeah. That's, cool. That's Matt McMaster. I uh, you're Cole, Cole Stugenholz. Yeah, that, that's that, true. Yeah. Yeah, we uh, we are also going to be welcoming uh, in our next segment uh, former Husker Josh Davis to the show. Josh Davis was uh, running back, kick returner back in the early two thousands, and the leading kick returner of all time in Nebraska Cornhusker history, the most yes, yards ever. Sort of ignominiously because they had to receive a lot of kickoffs because they gave up a lot of points in two thousand two. But sure, uh, but he's also an executive producer of the Tom Osborne era Husker football documentary Day by Day. Have you bought your tickets? I've bought my tickets. I'm going tomorrow. I may get there tomorrow. Uh, tomorrow's really the only day I could do it. And you know, I was I was talking to uh, Jeff Perlman, who's another producer of uh, uh, of the documentary, and I, I don't want to go too far because we're going to have an interview about it. But what I was telling him was the only problem about the documentary to me is that I didn't hear about it until two days ago. You know, this, I mean, like, they gotta, we gotta get the word out, you know? Like, this sounds incredible, and I'm, I heard about it, and I go, I gotta go and see it. I gotta go and see it. I mean, it's a full kind of encasing of just what Tom did, or Coach Osborne did, uh, in his time as coach in Nebraska. It's, it's the glory days, and everyone here loves glory days. So, you know, it's always great to revisit them. It's true. And, and so this premiered either last year or the year before at the Rococo Theater. But it was not widely distributed to the Marcus Theaters, which is where sure. it's at this weekend in Lincoln and Omaha, through, I believe, Wednesday the 16th. Yes. So there, there, I think there's a couple theaters. There might be a couple theaters that go until the 23rd, that start on the 16th and go until the 23rd, but mainly mainstream-wise in terms of Lincoln, it's the it's the 16th. Yeah. So we'll, we'll talk with Josh Davis. Uh, he was, like I said, an executive producer of the doc. Um, get the inside info for you before you can... Uh, um, head out and decide when you, when you want to go see it. Uh, I I I do hope to get to it here this weekend yeah. because yeah, school's starting up on Monday and that's the end of me for a little while because we're back into full on calendars. Let's get into this first segment. Yeah, I'm excited yeah. for this first segment. So we have we have made it through two weeks of fall camp. We've gotten through the Big Ten media days. We've had a, multiple media availabilities with you know all all sorts of different players and coaches on the squad and we've got we've got some single digit numbers we've got a little bit of an idea as to who the leaders of this team are going to be based on that team vote and all of that goes along with the stuff that we just do at this time of year over and over again with absolutely no no lesson learning, I guess, would be a good way to say it. We we get into this, and and John Bishop from Unsportsmanlike Conduct 1620 put this together as kind of handy from last year and from this year. The eventual, like, you look at a, a chart and it just kind of goes up from, like, 
how excited are you for this season or like what percent of Husker fans think they're going to win at least six games? And it starts at like 30 or 40 percent in April, May, and then it goes up to like 50 percent in June, July. And then by the time you get to August, it's at like 60, 70 percent last year and this year, almost mirror images of each other. It's a time honored tradition in these parts of overvaluing a roster that lacks depth experience knowing how to win like we we're not going to get into specifics for what we think is going to happen that'll come a couple weeks from now with our with our season predictions but based on what information are you are you going to say that this team is going to make a bowl game really like Six wins used to not be a thing that you had to worry about. Now it's the only thing that anybody wants. And the fact that it keeps happening this way where, hey, bull game or bust, baby. Like, what what gives people the thought, like the actual backed up by prior results, uh, past experience of the players and the head coach, by the way, in year one at a college program, like all these things line up to conspire against getting to a six win season. And yet everybody's like, oh yeah, yeah, let's not everybody, but you know what I mean? 60, 70% based on the polling that, that, you know, unsportsmanlike conduct does the very scientific Twitter polling that they do. It's just very illustrative of this is a pattern. We do it all the time. It has absolutely nothing to do with what's going to happen. So we're going to try to figure out what's going to happen based on what we do know. And spoiler alert for me anyway, I don't, I'm don't. i not going to pick this team to win six games. So first off, to answer your question, why does this happen? You don't lose in, in the offseason. <laughs> there's, no, there's no games to be lost. Secondly, we don't see anything. Okay, they they can masquerade the whole open practices, which, by the way, we as a member of the media, and I know everyone in the media, we're incredibly grateful for. Love going to open practices. It's great to see the team go. Um, but you don't see a whole lot. Back to your bowl game thing. Good friend of mine, uh, Husker Online writer Robin Washit, best in the business, by the way. He goes, him and I were talking about the six wins and the bowl games. And he goes, you know, Matt, you weren't here, but at one point, this was like a regular thing. Like, we were, we would be in the offseason and be like, I wonder where we're going to go for a bowl game. Like, I wonder where we're going to stay. Like, we would, he was like, we would start trying to pick out bowl games and see, like, where we might end up based on, like, what we think the team is going to do. Mm-hmm. Now it's like, you hope to get there. So... Are we gonna break? Are we breaking down every position right now? No, no, no. Okay. Later. Okay. Later. I don't know. I I just think it's it's really easy to listen to things at the press conference, and really easy to buy into every single word that Coach Rule and Tony White and Satterfield are saying about their players, yep. and you know they are more trusted sources than anyone because they are actually seeing things that are going on. Yeah. At the same time, if they're terrible, if they're terrible. If they're really bad, Coach Rule ain't gonna go up in the stand and be like, "Yeah, I mean, I'm gonna be honest with you guys. Like, three, four wins might be might be the ceiling here." They're not gonna. Hey, how's Luke looking? How's how, how's Henrich looking? Uh, not good. <laughs> he's not gonna. <laughs> he's not gonna say that. He's not gonna say that. And he's gonna be like, "Yeah, we're really happy with the progress that they're making." I mean, Nick, he's he's a real leader. I mean, he's a, like that's what they. And I'm not I'm not discrediting any words that uh, any positive words that Rule says about anyone, but it's just this this uh, this good old pattern of yeah they don't lose and all we hear is great things and then you get out to the field and you, and they go and play Northwestern and they can't tackle they can't tackle and then you find out three weeks later after the head coach was fired oh they weren't tackling they haven't been tackling the inti- like for the last three years they weren't tackling at all they they were just wrapping up. And they were touching. And then you wonder, well, then, no wonder we were bad at tackling. We hadn't been doing it, you know? And so it's like, but they don't tell you that. They don't tell you that. So, yeah, I agree with you. I don't buy into it either. There was actually freshman year, someone said, like, on a Zoom, like a teacher was like, who wins the offseason every single year? You know, who, who does, like, all this great stuff every single year? It's Nebraska. Yeah, it's true. And, and the other thing that comes up with this discussion Look, I, I, I'm not here to throw cold water on your excitedness. Like, if you are drinking the Roulade right now, please do. 
it's not there's nothing wrong with that. I just and and the there are certainly encouraging signs that I don't want to straight up dismiss. Like for instance, on on Monday on on our sister station sixteen twenty Sharp and Handley, Amy Just from Lincoln Journal Star pointed out that something that she can look at tangibly and compare to last season is that the attention to detail with this staff went up like from a 2022 practice that the media was able to observe with their own eyes, comparing that to a 2023 practice that the media is able to observe the attention to detail went up. And so that is a tangible thing that you can take. There's not as many tangible things that you can take as Okay, yeah, Malachi Coleman, he's doing this and this in practice. That's not going to translate to an all-Big Ten season in 2023. The the fact that they're excited about the young guys at defensive tackle, Cam Lenhart, P-Will, the, the fact that they're excited about those guys may not translate to them playing a lot of really high high uh high production snaps in 2023. Those guys are going to need time to develop. So there are encouraging signs and there are context there's context behind some of those signs but there's still so much that I'm skeptical of because of so many unknowns that we just we won't have this information for a while and and that's the part of it that gives me pause to kind of jump into talking about a bowl game for this team now the schedule is another encouraging thing the schedule does sort of line up for a quick start if you can win the opening game against Minnesota, because Colorado did a f- even more full-on roster rebuild than Nebraska, and God knows what you're going to see from them. God knows. And then you have two home games against non-Power 5 competition. But again, something we do every year, we pick wins and losses for Nebraska, and it's based on our perception of Nebraska football's roster versus the reality of Nebraska football at that particular time. So... There are there are encouraging signs, but there are, is also just a lot we don't know, and and that still needs to get fleshed out. Looking back on it now, uh, in my very brief moment in the Scott Frost era, because it was it lasted about six weeks, compared to this staff now, more so with Scott than with Mickey. Just want to credit yeah. that real quick. More so more so with Scott than with Mickey. It, it was a lot of laissez faire. You know, this is very. It just seemed very hands off. It seemed disconnected. I'm. Sh- I know that Scott cared about his guys. I know that Scott wanted to win. I know that Scott cared about Nebraska. I'm not saying that he didn't at all whatsoever. I'm just saying, compared to what we've seen from this staff, it it just seemed a little bit disconnected. Compared to this staff, disconnected. I don't know if disconnected in general is the best way to put it because I wasn't in the building. Okay, we've heard things, but I wasn't in the building. I'm not going to talk about stuff where I don't know for sure, for sure, right? But just compared to this staff, it seems disconnected. Great point by Amy. Let me let me tell you, and let me add on to Amy's point that this practice seemed more uh, attention to detail, right? Because you've been at these. I've been at these practices. I you see all of these staffers: Evan Cooper, Rayola, uh, uh, Dvorak, Dvorak, McGuire. Thank you. Coaching, 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 coaching. I didn't really see that when I went to the open practices with Scott Frost. I didn't really see that. I didn't really. I didn't. I didn't really see Apple White, you know, getting into it. I didn't. Just not at the open practices. It just didn't seem. It, it, there just wasn't as a collective group of individual work from each of these staffers. It's not a discredit to the individual staffers. It's just how the practice was run. When you go to these open practices, Cooper's are, is with his guys. Forecheck is with his guys. Rayola's with his guys. By the way, I just want to say, when I went to practice last year, a guy who was coaching his group and going hard with his group, Donovan Rayola. He Your was. Guy. He was. Rayola's coaching his guys. Foley's coaching his guys. McGuire's coaching his guys. It, it, it is a, it is a, they're busting their butts, man, and coaching these guys up. And then... You have the watchful eye of Tony White and Rule walking around. Satterfield is working. He's the quarterbacks coach, so he's working with mm. the quarterbacks. But Rule and White are walking around. They're looking at things. They're picking up on stuff. They're they're going to each. It's just everyone's getting their individual work. Everyone seems super dedicated to what they're doing. And then there's the system around it. Yeah. 
Yeah, uh, good insight on on the practices. And and one more disclaimer: Cusser Hour is not here to tell you how to fan. If you want to be excited, sure. If you want to be, you know, eight or nine wins this year, your prediction. Hey, please do go for it. It takes all kinds. We are going to look at it from our perspective, and and that is uh, again coming in a couple of weeks. We'll do our our season picks right before the Minnesota game, uh, along with our Minnesota preview uh, when that comes a couple weeks from now. Uh, when we come back, we're going to be joined by former Husker running back and executive producer of Day by Day, Husker football documentary on the Tom Osborne era, Josh Davis. Uh, he's joining us right after this here on the KLIN Husker Hour. with current and former Huskers and those that cover the Big Red. This is the KLIN Husker Hour on Lincoln's Husker Radio, 1499.3 KLIN. This weekend and, and into next week at Marcus Theaters here in Lincoln and in Omaha, you all can go out and see a Husker documentary called Day by Day about the Tom Osborne era. And one of the main reasons why that documentary exists uh, is former Husker running back Josh Davis, who is an executive producer on the project, uh, and he joins us now here on the KLI and Husker Hour. Uh, Josh, thanks a lot for joining us this morning. How are you? Great. Thanks for having me. Yeah. Um, and Cole Stukenholtz here, and, and Matt will uh, join us here in a second as well with a question. But uh, real quick, just give us a 30-second rundown on, on what this documentary focuses on. Uh, the documentary focuses on Tom Osborne at the helm of Nebraska as the head coach from the time he took over in 1973 for Bob uh, <clears throat> and until his run uh, is over, uh, you know, essentially in 1998 against Tennessee when he won the championship his last year. Uh, the documentary is bro- broken up into a two-piece. So the first movie, The Rise, covers from 73 when he was the head coach until they beat Miami. The second movie, The Dynasty, covers from when they beat Miami until they beat Tennessee. So it just, it navigates through all the different drama that was going on in the background, the adversity, the challenges, uh, all while showing the the way the team just was unbelievable. Uh, You talk about the teams that they beat, you know, Teams like Florida State that had Charlie Ward work done and Derek Brooks. I mean, they were uh, stacked, and they nearly beat them with a field goal at the end. Then you, you talk about another team in Florida, uh, you know, with, with the fun and gun. And they uh, have the fun and gun, Danny Werfel, Heisman quarterback, Steve Spurrier, a bunch of talented wide receivers, and they just destroy that team. Um, and then you look at what they did with Tennessee and Peyton Manning, a Hall of Fame uh, quarterback. Uh, you know, it's just unbelievable uh, the run that Nebraska had. Not to not to forget Miami, the team they played with two uh, NFL Hall of Famers and Warren Sapp and Ray Lewis. It's a lot about the teams they played and how they beat these teams as well. Josh, you uh, you played Matt here, by the way, and I want to thank you for coming on. Um, but you played from 2000 to 2003, you know, four seasons here. And I know you you just missed you just missed the Osborne era. You, you came in with Solich, and uh, but I, I'm sure you're a proud Husker. You know a ton about the program and, and how everything went. Was there anything that you learned about Tom Osborne during while you were helping to make this documentary that you thought was really interesting? Uh, I didn't know uh, a lot about maybe what he was doing with regards to the day-to-day and what he was actually taking on. I already knew what a generous man he was. I don't think anybody uh, that really knows him uh, can say that he's not somebody that's selfless. He is. He's he's such a selfless person. He's such a committed person. He's a grinder. Um, He's got such a big heart. Uh, he cares for people. He cares for kids. Um, so I guess the things that I learned behind the scenes uh, were from this film and making it was what he was dealing with adversity-wise behind the scenes, how tough he was mentally, um, how he kind of navigated through those tumultuous waters, especially when you're talking about people getting in trouble with the law, the national 
exposure with that. You're getting hammered with questions, your character questions. I think he did a great job navigating through all of that. Josh Davis joining us here on the KLIN Husker Hour uh, is an executive producer of the Day by Day documentary. It's uh, at Marcus Theaters now uh, through at least Wednesday next week. Josh, with the the a few events that occurred during the 90s in particular, you talk about adversity uh, with Brooke Berenger's death uh, after the plane crash right before the NFL draft in 1996 uh, and the loss to Florida State as well. Um, you know, a different kind of adversity, certainly, but but kind of spurred them on in 94 or 95. What kind of emotions did you see come out of not only Coach Osborne, but but some of the players that you interviewed for the documentary? What did they, what, what came out when they were talking about those events? Yeah, that's a great question. And uh, back to your last question, is there things I learned about Osborne? I mean, he's so tough talking about all these different situations. Um, a lot of them are emotional situations that happen to people. Um, and Brooke Behringer's death, you could tell, really uh, still has such an emotional effect on him. It has such an emotional effect on Coach Gill, who we interviewed. And, uh, of course, the players, we talk about him somberly. You know? uh, there's also some emotion felt towards Lawrence Phillips uh, by a lot of uh, former players that were close with him. Uh, kind of how his story unfolded. So, yeah, there was different segments within uh, the film that really uh, had an emotional effect on players. You could see the reaction. I'm sure so many fans and people that were even associated with the program haven't heard these takes and seen these inside looks like we reveal in Day by Day. You know, Josh, it's... Uh... I mean, it's not a, a, a shock or anything when I say this, but, you know, the, the program has struggled recently over the last, you know, nearly a decade. And, and I want to get your take here. How important do you think it is to just everyone to go back and watch this documentary just to realize such a, you know, the accomplishments that Tom Osborne had and just to really appreciate it again now that we've been kind of on this route recently and maybe even to kind of take account for what worked when when he when he was when when we were winning for so long. Yeah, it's a great uh, point there uh, as well. I think people should watch this in the state of Nebraska uh, so they they can understand the education. It really goes well through the history of Nebraska under Tom Osborne sequentially, and it shows uh, the inside look on the various games that mean so much to people: the championships. Um, so it really can show you uh, how dominant Nebraska was, like I said, through the 90s, the teams they played. Uh, I mean, I think Nebraska fans should watch this just for a history piece on the various years where Tom Osborne nearly won the championship. And then also just the effect that the program has on Nebraska. It's good for young kids, the history of the football program. I think that's how you make future Huskers is you educate them on uh, things that they don't know. You know, I think uh, that's how you, you educate most people and, and kind of get them to gravitate towards a personality, whether it's Tom Osborne or whether it's a Brooke Bearing or whether it's a Coach Ron Brown in the film. I think they do a great job educating fans uh, that are going to watch this on what exactly they were dealing with. And it wasn't just a bag of roses. You know, it was a lot of ups and downs, just like life. And what they accomplished during that journey, I think every Nebraska fan should be educated about. Josh, a lot of folks know that not only did you play at Nebraska, but your dad played at Nebraska, tough Tony Davis, on uh, Osborne's first team in 73. So I'm sure you had a little bit of an interaction with Osborne before you got to the point where you were you know, getting into high school and getting recruited and then were part of Frank Solich's first teams. What was your uh, memory of, of Coach Osborne like before you got a chance to come to Nebraska, and, and I guess a fall into that, how gratifying was it for you to see Coach Solich, your coach when you were here in Lincoln, get recognized uh, at the spring game earlier this year? I've known Coach Osborne since I was six years old. Hmm. Uh, my dad was a graduate assistant on the program staff, and so my sister and I and my two brothers used to go to the bowl games, and we used to go all the regular season games, and we were actually what they called runners. We would run the plays up and down 
the skybox, uh, what they called at the time within a skybox, was really like a little booth to be able to uh, actually get the, the coaches the, the looks that the defense was doing. They would use pencil and paper back then. We'd run them down and hand them to the coaching staff. So been around a lot of practices and all that when I was younger. And then as you get older, you become a fan watching them win the championships and just having that kind of, you know, kind of that keepsake, kind of that tie to Nebraska, especially since uh, my father, Tony Davis, as you mentioned, played there. And so to, to, to go from there as a kid to, to playing there, I thought Coach Solich, um, I was blessed to have him as a head coach too. He's a great coach. I think that was very unfortunate what happened to him. But you can see just what kind of a coach he was with the way he finished out at Ohio. I mean, he's the College Football Hall of Fame. He's the max all-time winningest head coach. I think had he had a chance to stay at Nebraska, he would have done great things too. So he's a great coach in his own right, and I am uh, proud to play for him as well. Uh, so making this film is like coming around full circle, um, you know, from being a kid, running up and down the sidelines, going to practices, and knowing the players when I was younger to getting older and playing there to now making this film about Nebraska. It's so surreal. So Josh, I'll go a little bit off, off topic here from, from the documentary to, to you. Um, you know, some people may know that you are the leader in, in kick return yards in the history of the University of Nebraska. And I, I actually watched an interview of yours with Adam Carricker a couple of years ago. Uh, you know, I think it was in 2020 you had the interview. I'm not blowing smoke up your butt or anything like that. But it was one of my favorite interviews I've ever watched because it was about 15 minutes of you and him just going over special teams and going into the details of special teams and really talking about special teams and how important it is. Now that we're kind of in this era of it's getting phased out of the game. You know, very slowly there are more rules and rules every single year that kind of limit the impact of kickoffs and pump returns and stuff like that. What What are your thoughts on kind of that, and, and how do you think it will impact not only the game but the culture of teams now that special teams really is slowly becoming less of a factor? I mean, special teams used to be such an important facet of the game. It was one of the three most important facets. You had offense, defense, and then special teams, which was that much more important. Uh, but, you know, safety is becoming such a huge factor, and it starts with what the NFL is doing, and it trickles down. But there were so many uh, incidents, obviously, with concussions, uh, knees get blown out, you name it, from special teams. When you got such large men running at full speed and very explosive and same from the other side. Give them that much time, uh, you'll see a lot of injuries on special teams. So I see why they're trying to make the game safer. Um, it is difficult to watch sometimes because you're just so used to watching an opening kickoff throughout the years and a return from the kickoff, or the same with the punt and the return from the punt. Um, but uh, yeah, they definitely they're doing what they can to take it out of the game. So I think right now I, I would imagine they're looking at different levels, what they can do to substitute that out because it's kind of becoming irrelevant at this point. The documentary is called Day by Day. It is uh, available right now at the Omaha and Lincoln Marcus Theaters locations. Uh, runs through, depending on the theater, as late as August 24th. Uh, through the 16th, it looks like, at all the Lincoln locations here. So uh, if you're interested, if you've got, uh, hey, uh, Josh, for me, I have uh, four kids between four and 11, and, and my oldest two are probably uh, of age where they would appreciate it and just haven't seen Husker football win. So for the younger generation, uh, it's, it's something that they could definitely get something out of. Um, and uh, we, we appreciate the time, and we're looking forward to uh, going to see it for ourselves. And um, best of luck with uh, the results of uh, this screening through Lincoln and Omaha. Thank you very much for having me. Go Big Red. All right. Have a great day. You too. Thanks a lot. That's Josh Davis. Um, good stuff on uh, the day by day. Great documentary. Stuff. And yeah, Matt, you, you've got your tickets already. So I do. Yeah. Going tomorrow. There you go. All right. All right. Good. Uh, as as we wrap that up with Josh, uh, we're going to be ramping up a full on roster breakdown of this 2023 squad. Uh, that is coming up right after this. Plus a little bit more watch season, watch list season uh, for Husker football players, which uh, watch lists uh, they're being added to. And if you missed. The single-digit number reveal. Uh, there's five guys who got voted. Only four of them can 
wear a single digit. We'll detail that as well when we come back here on the KLI and Husker Hour. Your Saturday morning source for everything Huskers is right here. You're listening to the KLIN Husker Hour on Lincoln's Husker Radio, 1499.3 KLIN. If you missed our chat with Josh Davis, former Husker and executive producer of the day-by-day Husker football documentary, make sure you podcast the show. If you're not uh, already following on your favorite podcast platform, we're KLIN Husker Hour. Just uh, subscribe to the podcast feed, or you can find us on uh, KLIN Husker Max, Twitter and Facebook at KLIN Huskers. We're on right now with the Facebook Live at KLIN Huskers as well, courtesy of Kenny Larrabee. Uh, good stuff from Josh Davis and great stuff. Uh, good stuff coming at you right now with this roster breakdown. We've had a chance to go through position by position, Matt. Now it's time to just dive right in and see see if anything's changed. See if anything's been been maybe reinforced by more of the observations from the open practices, uh, and and just kind of see where we're at right now. I'm gonna kick, days before kickoff. I'm gonna kick us off. Yeah, please do. I'm gonna give you one sentence. One sentence for every single position. Okay. Okay. Yeah. One sentence for every single position, and then we can work off of that. We got to go pretty quickly though, because let's we got, do it. Okay. Yeah. There's a few. We'll of go them. with quarterback. Yeah. Okay. Okay. What happens if Sims goes down? Okay. That's my first sentence. Yeah. Mine. Yeah. Mine was uh, Sims can lead, but can he play all twelve games? Yeah. Same. Same thing. Basically. What happens? I mean, like, like I, I understand. There's a lot of hype going around around Jeff Sims about how he looks at practice and stuff like that. Frankly, frankly, I'm not buying it. And the reason why I'm not buying it is because I have to see it. I want to see it before I buy. I want to see if Jeff Sims against Minnesota before I'm like, that guy looks great and that guy's a superstar and that guy is like incredible. Because we're not talking about a dude, with all due respect, not talking about a guy who's never played before. Yeah. Talking about a guy who's had like 20, 30 games in his career. And while he has made some incredible plays and incredible throws and incredible runs, he's also made some not-so-incredible plays and not-so-incredible runs and not-so-incredible throws. And there's been some inconsistency. Now, does he have better weapons here uh, than he did at Georgia Tech? Probably. Does he have an offense that seems like they're building around him? Yeah, they do. And they literally decided to go with that offense and then grabbed him from Georgia Tech because because they were like, you're the guy to do this. Mm -hmm. So, I think that he's got everything going for him. I think he's got everything going for him, but I need to see it first. But after him, I don't know what happens. If he gets hurt, I don't know what happens. Yeah, and it's not that you're unwilling to buy. It's just, it's in your cart, but you're going to wait to pull the trigger exactly. until you see. Yeah, exactly. Sure, sure. Yeah, no, I, I agree. I, I, I feel like he is capable of running it. He's capable of doing what they want him to do. It's just, can he handle the Big Ten's pounding that he will take if he's running the football? As I as I set the over under last week, twelve and a half times a game. I, I will say this though, rule did say we're not going to do four yard quarterback runs. We're, we're you know they're going to pick and choose. Sure. So I don't think sure. he's going to. And he's also going to scramble. Yes, absolutely. It's third down. It's fourth quarter. He's going to put his body on the line. Absolutely. How does he hand up to that punishment? I agree. He's a big guy. He's a big guy though. All right. Where do you want to go next? All right. Running back. Okay. Lack of a superstar. Okay. Okay. That's you got three real solid running backs. But you're in the Big Ten where you got a lot of really good superstar running backs. You got Braylon Allen. You got Blake Corum. You got uh, Donovan Edwards. You got, um, uh, who's the guy from Penn State? Thompson? Um, they always have some. Singleton. Singleton. Yeah. Nick Singleton, who's incredible. Yeah. Like, you got some superstar running backs. This is a good running back room. They don't have a superstar, though. Yeah, I'm encouraged, but they. They they got to show me first. Similar to with quarterback, I mean, sure. they can potentially carry this off. You have Anthony Grant who did it last year. For most most of those games, he was effective enough. People were really excited about Gabe Irvin, and then Ramir Johnson has flashed. If they can all give their contributions, maybe you ride the hot hand, different guy, different game, whatever. Uh, but encouraging that you have three guys that are apparently capable of doing it. It's a great quote from Moneyball. We're going to rebuild them. We're going to rebuild them in the aggregate. Okay? That's, they might go aggregate superstar running back here with those three. And it'll work. You just, it'll you work. just need to have a guy who's fresh and, and feeling it and in just, the fourth quarter. And just go. Whoever it is, just play to the skill set. Okay. Wide receiver. Do you have a number one? 
I'm being honest here. I'm being. I know that everyone's like, well, Billy Kemp is the number one wide receiver. Billy Kemp's best year, he had 74 receptions and 725 yards. That was not last year. That was the year before. Yeah. Last year, he had 16 receptions for 116 yards. He played seven games. He had injury problems the entire time. There are de- there there are good excuses for it. But is that number one wide receiver? Even his best year? Is that a true number one wide receiver? Marcus Washington's good. Billy Kemp is really good. But like running back, they don't they don't have a guy. They got a couple. They got they got two guys that are pretty solid. But they don't have a guy. They don't have the guy. My 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 sentence. This is not necessarily a sentence, but my note for wide receiver, literally, big yikes. Yeah, I, like Billy Kemp. Sure, you're you're excited about what he can do in the slot, but Marcus Washington, hurt. Like yeah, one thing after another, banged Isaiah, up again. Isaiah Garcia Castaneda. Sure, you've seen it a little bit, but he's unproven. You saw it once. Xavier you Betts. Saw it once. Xavier Betts needs to keep himself eligible, stay on the field, and then, I mean, if you are a freshman. And you want playing time, step right up. It's yours for the taking. But that's not a great situation to be in if you're trying to win games right away. And I just think it's going to take a while for that to work. So back to running backs and then looking ahead to tight ends, you're going to need to lean on those guys a lot if you want to have any success moving the ball consistently. Tight ends, my sentence, got to see it. I got to see it. I'm sensing a trend here. I got to see it. No, no. With Sims, I said I got to get that. That was that, that was valid. But with the, none of them have played. Yeah. None of them played. Got to yeah. see it. With my So my tight end sentence. If you give me one player to go all Big Ten this season. Fedoni? It's Thomas Fedoni. Can you new, imagine if Newsom? <laughs> well, Newsom can still be good. I'm, I'm not saying sure, nobody sure, else can be sure, like, you know, sure. on whatever. But if you can give me one player to guarantee he goes all Big Ten. It's Thomas Fedoni because he can unlock so many different things in this offense. Number one, that will show that he's healthy. If he's if he's all Big Ten, he's going to play every game, right? Number two, he's probably contributing in the pass game quite a bit, catching a lot of balls, moving the chains on th- critical third downs, getting in the end zone, being that big target for Jeff Sims, safety valve, whatever. Helping out a little bit in the run game as well. He's going to be on the field a lot. You know he's going to have to throw some blocks. Uh, and and we can probably kind of lump in fullbacks with either the tight ends or the running backs too. Uh, but but if you get him going, we know that Borkercher can contribute a little at least. Yeah. Um. You he, it may, whether that's his baseline or if he can improve upon that from what he did last year. Either way. But give me an all Big Ten season from Thomas Fedoni, and I will deliver you a bowl game. Straight up. I don't. I'm not predicting that. But if he can if he can stay healthy and finally live up to the potential that he had coming out of high school, look out. Okay, O line, same coach, same group, different different experience. I think that you got the same group, my, plus Ben Scott, mm-hmm. who's an added addition, who's an upgrade. But you got the same right guard, same left guard, same left tackle, same right tackle. You got the same guys coming back. You got the same coach there that everyone wanted to have there. I think that this group, I'm not saying they're going to be Michigan, but I think they will take a step up because they got better throughout the year. They had moments where they looked really good, and they've all been together, and they got a ton of experience. They have a ton of experience on that old line. They do. They objectively do. Yeah. But this is mine. Lack of depth gives me a little pause because, obviously, with Prohaska, he's he's not apparently where he needs to be right now. Nor New Willie. Was in a non-contact jersey at practice the other day. Yes, he was. So, how many guys can you roll out there and still be able to be as effective as you want to be? Yeah, it looks like Latovsky might get his chance. Piper's going to be able to 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 reclaim his starting spot, um, or not reclaim, but but maintain his starting spot that we thought maybe Newelli would take back. And Corcoran, hey, sounds like he's going to get another shot at left tackle. Sounds like it. Go show us. Yeah, uh, that was where they that was where they had him lined up when he got here. He had that first start at the end of 2020 in the Rutgers game at left tackle when Hymas declared early. He has the potential, similar to Thomas Fedoni, he has the potential, different from Fedoni, he has shown us that he, he's not, he struggled a little bit. Okay. So he can put it together, he has, sure. the, he has the talent to do so. I agree. Okay, here we go. we got to go through quickly. Let's, these last three. Well, hold on, how about we take a break? 
Oh, break? Let's go back and do defense after the break. Oh, wow. Look at us. How about we do that? Let's do that. I think that would uh, I think that would keep us a little bit better on the clock if I do say so myself. So we'll uh, we'll run right uh, run away here for just a minute and be right back. Our defense we'll run through those positions, give you those sentences uh, and uh, a little bit of a breakdown there, and then we'll wrap things up after that. It's uh, it's a quick Saturday show, just 19 days before kickoff of the 2023 season. Right after this here on the Husker Hour. Giving you an inside look at everything Huskers. This is the KLIN Husker Hour on 1499.3 KLIN. All right, we are rolling through a little bit of a quick roster uh, reset after our position previews. Now that we've got a little bit of color, a little bit of context, we've had Big Ten Media Days, we've heard what these players and, and Matt Rule have said, and we've heard from a lot more of them through media availability, too. So let's... Uh, Let's kick over to the three three five. We're gonna move back. We're gonna go five three three here. Okay. Okay. Back back to four. Defensive backs. Let's my sentence. Yeah. Strength of the team. Strength of the team. I literally have the same words. Yeah. Strength of the team. Proven, productive, talented, and deep. Even with the loss of Miles Farmer. Got a, a you good can coach. still call them deep. You come very deep. You got Isaac Gifford. You got Quinn Newsom. You got Malcolm Hartzog. You got Omar Brown, who is the FCS uh, defensive back of the year. You got uh, Corey Collier, who from from Florida. I mean, who am I missing? Marquise Buford. You got Buford. Jamin How did I forget Buford? Jaden Wright Hill. had nickel had nickel stuff. Tommy Hill had four starts last year. And you got give a lot a, of guys. You got a lot of talent. You got a lot of stars over there. Give me a little. Give me a little. Phelan Sanford. At maybe, safety. maybe, how about maybe, maybe Eric Eric Fields? Yeah. Eric Fields well, has been making an impression. Playing Rover, even though he may end up as a linebacker. Yeah, uh, and another name that I thought uh, maybe uh, popped up a little bit here or there. True freshman Dwight Boodle. Ooh, got a little bit of a run. He did. So he got a little rub. Look, look for him maybe a little bit early in the season look, too. Gifford apparently is an alpha. <laughs> In, in, at the safety position, uh, by the way, I've already ordered my number two jersey. It's on the way in the mail. Go GIF. Uh, that's my guy. Not surprised. He's Look, he's been the superstar of fall camp. I mean, they're every single, I feel like every phase when we were in the winter to the spring to yep. the summer to the fall, there was one guy that Rule really pointed out that everyone was like, all right, this guy clearly is making an impact because Rule can't stop talking about him. Tommy Hill and Isaac Gifford are those two guys who've been getting a lot of attention and a lot of talk uh, in these press conferences. And I think that, look, Hill, from what I am hearing, with my ear to the ground on that program, from what I am hearing, Hill might be the other defensive back, which would be one... The other other corner, The other corner, because Hartzog is going to be a safety... And so was Gifford, and then you. I think Hill might end up being that other cornerback, which would be one heck of a redemption story. Now, the difference is though, you got to wait till Buford to come back. When Buford comes yeah. back, then things will flip. We'll see what happens because Buford was playing incredible football down the back half of that season. I mean, he had a really. I would say that Marquise Buford was probably the best player on that secondary last year. I mean, Quentin Newsom eh, was pretty good. They both were really good. And and speaking of Quentin Newsom, I mean it's it's funny he almost gets forgotten because there are so many guys in the secondary, and there's more intrigue sure. about you know where's this guy going to land this position battle this position change. Quentin Newsom, still for my money the best returning player from last year's roster, maybe even including the the transfers uh, on this 2023 squad. So really excited to see the steps that he may take in his game this season too. All right, let's let's move up to one of the threes. Let's go linebackers. Okay. Linebackers, real quick. I feel safe. Okay, that's feel my. Sa- okay. I feel safe. Okay, this is Nick Henrich and Luke Reimer. You got Nick Henrich, Luke Reimer. You got you know whoever the third guy is going to be around them, which is probably going to be either uh, Chief Borders, could be Jamari Butler, kind of running that Jack uh, position. Both those guys are really good athletes. They're both not proven. They both haven't really played, mm. but. They're both dynamic athletes who are going to be given a lot, a lot of leash here. MJ Sherman too will yeah. fit in that as well, and he's one heck of an athlete as well. There's they got athletic guys who are going to play an athletic position in the Jack, and they got two guys that you can really count on. Uh, John Bullock is going to be behind Henrich and Reimer, who's yeah. been having a great camp as well. I feel safe when it comes to the linebackers. All right, you feel safe. Uh, my sentence is number one: Can they stay healthy? Mm-hmm. And number two, and, and maybe this is unfair because you could put some on the D line too, but. Can someone sack the quarterback? Yeah. I've been waiting since Randy Gregory 
We'll get there. I will give For you somebody guy. sacking I will the give quarterback. You a guy. Can we go to the uh, we'll go to the D line so it. I can give you a guy? Yeah. My sense for the D line is surprise group of the year. I really think they that this group is going to surprise a lot of people because you look at these guys, and I'm not buying too much into an off season lifting program, but all these guys look really lean. They look really strong. They've really upgraded their bodies. It seems like T night. Has Coach Terrence tonight and has really invested a lot into each one of these players individually. I see it all the time at practice how he is individually doing work with each one of these players. It's impressive. He's an impressive coach. They got a really athletic group. I, I think that each of these guys have gotten better and I'm buying in on the young guys. You want a guy? You want a Randy Gregory? You wanted to Dominican Sue, maybe not so much to that degree, because Sue was incredible, one of the greatest college football players ever. Give me Cam Lenhart, man. I yeah. believe in Cam Lenhart. I believed in Cam Lenhart, and you can remember this when he committed. Mm-hmm. I told you I watched his tape, and I go, that guy's a dude. Cam Lenhart is a dude. He looks like a grown man. I really think that he's going to be the guy for the next three to four years, and I want to see him play this year. Yeah, I, look, I want to see him play this year, too. My, my D-line sentence is, scary lack of depth, but the future is encouraging. Like, yes. That's, it, I, I just don't know that you can you don't have on... You have compound sentences here. A lot of commas in your sentences. and you know, Most of your sentences are two sentences. Just wanna, I just want to point that, it out. Next time know, we do a sentence, a sentence brigade... still counts as a sentence, by the way, even if there's a comma. Comma doesn't separate a you sentence. Got a, lot of, got a lot of lengthy sentences there. You can join my, join my daughter. A lot in of lengthy grade, sentences. Sixth grade. A lot of run-ons. So with the with the defense, the defensive line and the offensive line, I think for you and I may be our our biggest departures. You sure. are really bullish on both positions, and those two positions scare the crap out of me so much sure. so that I'm I'm not so much waffling between a five and seven, six and six choice. I'm more waffling between a five and seven and four and eight choice. I just, there is so much that you need from both of these positions in the way of depth that they don't have, in the way of experience that the defensive line does not have. The offensive line, sure, uh, but the D-line does not. And in this league of all leagues and in this division, of which will be the last year of divisions, with your Minnesotas, your Iowas, I mean, thankfully for their sake, Wisconsin's going to go away from their power run game this season. But it just not it does not line up. It does not play to Nebraska's strengths. But he, here's the thing about the old line: you're not going to do anything differently now. Like you got the guys you got. Like no one's no one's coming in to save the old, like right. the old line. Like no one's coming in there to like patch it up and make it incredible. All you can have is coaching and experience, and they have a lot of experience, and they've had the same coaching now for the same year. Like I think it's not bullish necessarily to say that they are going to be better. I think if anything to say that they're going to be the same or worse would be ridiculous. Well, I just. You've seen what this, what a couple of these guys have done for a number of years. I don't know how much of that. Have you, though? You can ch- have you? Bryce Benhart. But he got better. Did he? He got better. He like, was how better much at better? the end of the year. Like, well, like every guy you're talking because, like, Prohaska was injured, and then you've been throwing Corcoran around three different positions for the last, you know, three years, and he's done pretty well at every single one of them. You know, you got Ben Scott, who's a proven center. I mean, I'm just saying, like, they, these guys keep playing and they keep getting coached. You can't say they're not going to get better. I'm it's not- the only Kool Aid I'm drinking here of saying that these guys are. It's the only group where I said they're going to get better because they have the two things you need to get better coaching and experience. I'm not saying they're not going to get better. I'm saying the evidence that I have gives me pause. It gives me a little bit of hesitancy to say, yeah, I think the O line is going to be a strength of this offense. I, I don't see it yet. I, I, I don't th- see it. I think the O line is might be the second best position on this offense. Woo! Hot, hot take. I really do. Right out the oven. I Matt really McMaster. do think the offensive line might be the second best position. Man, are you and Donovan Raiola going to get an apartment together after I'm this? I'm the leader. Look at my Twitter bio. It's, <laughs> it is literally the conductor of the Donovan Raiola train. And the Isaac Gifford fan club. Yes. Those are your guys. Yes. All right. We're going to wrap the show up after this. We'll run down those single-digit numbers if you missed them here on the KLI Husker Hour. Giving you a complete review of the Huskers news this week. This is the KLIN Husker Hour on Lincoln's Husker Radio, 1499.3 KLIN.
five Huskers on this roster were voted by their peers to get the honor of wearing a single <gasps> digit on their jersey. Is it really that big of a deal? Well, rules well, trying wait, to wait, make wait, a wait, big wait, wait, deal. Wait, wait. Let me time out. Sorry. Let me let me reiterate. Start let me reiterate. Let me reiterate. I said that on wrong. It is a big deal because they've made it a big deal. Because they right. made it a big deal. It's right. a big deal because they made it a big deal. Yeah. And I and I think that it's great that they made it a big deal because it's it just raises the standard. I, I, God, I'm, I'm turning into them. I just said standard. Dang it. <laughs> so we're running these oh. down. There's five of them. Four of them can actually wear a single digit. Ethan Piper, let the man wear a single digit. No. <laughs> let him wear the zero. He's got to stay with the, he's going to stay with 57, but he is one of these five that that got uh, voted as the five toughest guys on the team basically is the way I understand it. You've got Ethan Piper, Jeff Sims, who's going to wear number 7, like it. Luke Reimer wearing number 4. Cool. Levante David's number, no big deal. Kind of I love I love 28 on Reimer. Isaac Gifford, number 2. Bought, delivered on the way. Uh, and and this one we actually got a preview of this one uh, in mid July with Billy Kemp. Billy Kemp's going to wear number one, so he wore fifteen. Perfect. Before he uh, when when he got here, he didn't wear fifteen at Virginia or one at Virginia. Uh, but number fifteen was Devin Chandler's number, and number one is Lavelle Davis's number. Those gotcha. were two of his teammates uh, who were killed in that shooting his uh, his twenty twenty two season last year. Um, so those two guys. Uh, he's honoring them with the 15 initially, and now he gets to wear the number one. So um, good for good for Billy Kemp. That was uh, that was something he told us on the show when he joined us in July. Real quick, I, I was number 62. I never really gave a rat's you know bum about whether or not I wore single digits or anyone else wore single digits. But you know, it's cool, man. Good for them. Like it's an honor. It's an honor, and and they're doing it. And those guys, I'm, I'm curious to see who else uh, who else gets them. Yeah. I really am. And Ethan Piper, I'll tell you something right now. I don't mean to be that guy, but you don't think that Ethan Piper getting, being voted to get a single digit doesn't mean that he might have a starting job? I, I might think it yeah. might. Yeah, uh, real quick, Jeff Sims also on the Davey O'Brien Award watch list. Uh, Nebraska basketball signed Jerron Coleman from Ball State to maybe play point guard in the wake of Aaron Ulysses' gambling issues. Uh, and tough break for Maverick Noonan, who was my sleeper at the linebacker position. He's out for the year uh, with a knee injury, unfortunately. Uh, hey, uh, thanks to Josh Davis from the Day by Day documentary. Go get your tickets if you want to see that. Uh, it's at Marcus Theaters all weekend and through early next week as well. Uh, for Kenny, for Matt, I'm Cole. Thanks for joining us. We'll be back next week. Uh, big season preview. We're going to really dig into what we expect to see this year next week's show. So stick around for that. Go Big Red.